0: This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. All right, turn with me to the book of 1 Corinthians, chapter 7. Again, this is our marriage counseling teaching. My part, and I will conclude. This this Sunday morning is around financial responsibility in the marriage, and uh, again, you may not think I've been talking about finances, but I've been talking about finances the whole time. Get the principles down, and you understand how it flows in your finances. Um, so we'll continue with my portion of this um, as well. And so in the book of First Corinthians, chapter seven, starting in verse number thirty-two, it says, "But I would have you without carefulness." He that is unmarried care for the things that belong to the Lord how he may please the Lord but he that is married care for the things that are of the world how he may please his wife so you see in there in verse 32 and 33 is contrasting an, an unmarried man versus a married man and a married man being the husband his care should be how he pleases his wife then we get into the difference between a wife and a virgin, verse 34. There is a difference also between a wife and a virgin. The unmarried woman care for the things of the Lord, that she may be holy both in body and in spirit, but she that is married care for the things of the world, how she may please her husband. And we talked about how God has this perfect harmony, his perfect unity within a marriage. The husband cares for the wife, the wife cares for the husband, and that's how each other gets cared for. And I like this care for It's a continuous, constant care you need to have for one another. It's not just a one time I I care for her because she's doing things that I want her to do or or she's caring for me because I'm doing things that she likes me to do. No, that's my responsibility. You know, that's that unconditional love you need to have in a marriage. And that is what God expects, that the wife should care for her husband and the husband should care for her wife. I mean, And so I think it's so important to understand these things and make sure you pass on these things because marriage is is trouble. And we talk about trouble meaning that it's going to affect you for the rest of your days. You know, in other words, life happens in marriage, life happens, but these principles still remain the same. And always remember this when you're in marriage, right? Never forget the teachings that went before us around marriage and your marriage should be a reflection of Christ and the church. So when it comes to financial responsibilities, when it comes to every aspect of your marriage, people should see Christ and, and reflection of Christ in the church in your marriage. And it's, never forget that point. Because we talk about a lot of principles and we talk about natural things. We talk about things that you, know, that you need to apply. But if you miss the point about your marriage should be a reflection of Christ in the church, you'll miss these things. right? Your marriage should be a reflection of Christ in the church. And we, and we learned these things earlier. All right? And so from that point on, we, we talked about, this, like I said, this harmonious in the marriage. And we went to 1 Peter chapter 3 and kind of broke down that passage of Scripture around uh, the responsibilities between the wife and the husband. And again, the thing that, that really I brought out in on that one was around the husband's responsibilities to dwell, reside with his wife, according to knowledge. And we said this knowledge is, it has to be obtained, man. Brothers, you've got to get this knowledge. You don't have this knowledge automatically. You know, it's not going to just come to you because you're a male. How to handle a wife? You have to gain that knowledge, right? And gain that knowledge means you have to sit up under a minister, teacher. Someone's going to teach you how to handle a wife, based on God's principle, based on God's word. And that principle we said going to start when it starts with sowing and reaping when it comes to marriage. That's how you need to operate your marriage out of sowing and reaping. You know how you treat one another in a marriage is so important. And you need sowing to your wife, husband. Your wife is good ground. And you should be getting that hundredfold return from that good ground that you've been sowing into. And you sowing into her the word of God. And it's so important. But if you don't have the word of God, no wonder you're getting you're not getting that hundredfold return, you're getting something else. Because what you place into your wife, that's what she's giving back to you. Right? Stop looking at at her saying something's wrong with her. No, look at what you've been sowing into her. Because all she's doing is giving back to you what you put in it. Right? So, you know, that that's what we saw in first Peter chapter three. And then we went to the beginning. And let's go there. We're gonna start there this morning again. Uh, Hebrew, uh, Hebrews, Genesis chapter two, because we see how God established these things when He brought man on the scene and brought woman on the scene. I, I just, you know, God is just so good. You know, it's good to follow the Creator, the, the the Creator, and how He did things. Right? Never forget that either. There's nothing new under the sun. Follow God. You know, we always try to improve on God's methods. Here we are, we have our marriage, and we think, oh, I can improve on the methodology of marriage. No, God is, is a divine institution created by God. Let's just follow God's method of how he had designed marriage. And so Genesis chapter 2, starting in verse 8, it says, And the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. So you see there that God planted a garden. Planting means that God has already established the principle of sowing and reap. What God has planted, that means it's going to bring forth fruit. It's going to grow. I mean, it's so important to understand that. And God was showing man this. You plant, you put your hands to the work, and it's going to grow. That means you, you, if you want something coming out of the ground, you got to plant. Again, that's the, that's again the principle of sowing and reaping. And, and in the marriage, it works the same way. You're trying to reap something in your marriage that you have not planted, you have not sowed. you got to sow. Or, or you here's how, how some people do. Some people look at other marriages and, and want to reap and say, oh, why my marriage is not like other marriages? Because that brother sowed in his marriage. You can't reap some, something from your marriage that you didn't sow into your marriage. right? People, cause people just want to make excuses and pick the uh, blame game about why their marriage is not functioning and want to compare their marriage to other people. But you don't know the work that the other people put into their marriage. You don't know what that husband has laid down to do. You don't know. It's easy. From the outside, it looks like, oh, it, like it's easy. But I'm going to tell you, it's work. Marriage is work. And the work is sowing. Alright? So again, God planted a garden. I mean, God established a garden. We mentioned this word, gar- garden is paradise. Don't get in your mind some little garden in your backyard that you got some fruits and vegetables growing. No. God created paradise. I love that. And then He put the man in paradise. Right, and then it talks about the word uh, Eden. Eden is is a place of delight and enjoyment. So God put man in paradise to enjoy, right? To delight in. That's why I'm saying God is so good. You know, we have a mind. I don't know what we read or saw. We have a picture of some little garden. God forced man to put in the garden, and start working. No, God put man into paradise, and said, "Here's paradise, man. Right, enjoy it." And again, he's he's helping man preparing man for marriage. Helping man understand you have to establish paradise for your home. The man's responsibility. Your house should be paradise. Your home should be paradise. And then you bring your wife into that paradise for her to enjoy. And y'all enjoy it together. Right? I mean, that's paradise. Whatever paradise is for you, you need to bring her into that. So again, God put the man into the garden again that the lord has planted again teaching the man what you put your hands to shall grow right what you plant shall grow cuz then he says in verse 9 and he took the and he and out of the ground made the lord god to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food and the tree of life also in the midst of the garden and the tree of knowledge of good and evil again and out of the ground made the lord god to grow God made the ground to be fruitful for man. But you got to put your hands to it. Right? And I love that. I love, I love, these, things. I love these principles. I mean, because I think we make life so complicated, and God's like, no, it's really pretty simple. Right? God's like, you, put, you sow into the ground, the ground will reproduce for you. But if you don't put anything into the ground, how is it going to reproduce for you? And again, man, me, and husband, and talking about husband and wife relationship, that is your responsibility. You're responsible for sowing into that ground to reap that fruit. And then in verse 15, it says, And the Lord God took the man and put him into the garden, uh, in the garden of Eden, to dress it and to keep it. So now here we have man placed into this paradise to dress it and to keep it. Meaning now you're here to work. You're here to work in the garden. But in the garden while you're working, you're also here to enjoy the garden. To dress it and to keep it. That's the work. To cultivate it. To maintain it. And again, God's showing. That again, that principle of sowing and reaping. You, as long as you put your, your hands to the work, it will reproduce for you. And all this is in preparation for the woman even got on the scene. God had already given this man responsibility. God had given this man to understand the principle of sowing and reaping. Being able to already understand he needs to put his hands to the work before he even brought a woman on the scene. So that's why I mean, wives, you know, think about this, right? Where was, What position was your husband in before you came on the scene? Before he brought you into your home? See, things should have already been established. But again, that's why we go back to premarital class, because we, everybody in such a hurry to get married when nothing is established already. Forget about having a garden. You, you ain't even you, you ain't got a place to stay. But we ready to get married. Ready to put our hands to the work that, that you hadn't even established. And then some women get to a place where I can help them establish it. No, it should already be established. God had looked for the man to establish the, the, uh, the guard. The guard was already established. The man had to maintain it. Give him that principle of stewardship. You're here to maintain it. You're not here to establish it. And husband, I'm telling you, get these concepts in your head. Get, get it down in your head very good. Get it not on your head but in your heart, right? Your wife is not there to establish your home. Your home should already be established. She's there to help you. With what you've already established. That is not her responsibility to establish your home. Get that, brothers. Understand that. And so now when we get into the financial side of that, it flows the same way. In other words, your wife is not there to, to bring an in income to establish your home that should have already been established. What do I mean by that? Your wife has to work. You know what I mean by have to work? That means if she does not work, then y'all don't eat. Or y'all lights getting turned off. Or you ain't got a place to stay. She has to work. So that means your home wasn't established ahead of time. And it is what it is. Right? You know, a lot of people, you know, well, hey, that's how our home is set. Again, that's your financial arrangement. But I'm, I'm going to tell you, but that's not how God set it up. God didn't bring Adam on the scene and say, okay, Adam, I need you to establish this. I need you to get this going, Adam. You know, God, like, it's already established, brother. You just maintain it. Alright, so and the Lord God took the man and put him into the garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. And then the Lord God commanded the man saying, every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat For the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. For the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. And the Lord God said, it is not good for that the man should be alone. I will make him a help. Meet for him. Now we get in a place where God recognizes, hey, I'm going to give Adam some help. I'm the man. I'm going to give the man help. I'm going to give the man help that's meet for him. In other words, I'm going to give a husband help in his wife that's meet for him. That's why your wife is meat for you, your wife fits you husbands as your glove, not fitting someone else, another man. she fits you that's god's order that's God's divine order in the marriage. Your wife is there to help you, and she's suited to help you, but you still got to sew on her and show her what what help you need right and, and I think that is so important right because we get in our mind that that we know what what uh <clears throat> what's more important than. In our home, and God does. No, God said, "No, I, I, I can give you direction, man. In other words, you got to go get knowledge, brothers, to, to show your wife what you need, how you need help in your home. You need knowledge. So now let's turn to first, first Peter. Let's turn to Titus, chapter two. Titus chapter two. I'm trying to get somewhere today. Titus chapter two. Because here it is talks about okay how. Is this woman going to help me? All right. Titus chapter 2. Because again, I, I like how the, the word of God is just... Like I said, don't try to improve on God's methods. Just listen to God and let Him show you how your wife should be helping you. Titus chapter 2. Starting at verse number 1. It says, But speak thou the things which become sound doctrine, that the aged man be sober, grave, temperate, sound in faith, in charity, in patience, in patience, Verse three, the aged women, likewise, that they be in behavior as becometh holiness, not false accusers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things, that they who is they the aged women teach the young women. Now here we go. I mean, God is so God has set up. Well, we're going to have the aged women, women that are mature, understand these things. They're going to teach, be an example, or an example that you can follow for the young women. And, and teaching young women what? First and foremost, to be sober. Wives, get this, you need to be sober. I'm going tell you, sobriety is a principle that I think we've, we've lost in some of our marriages and our homes. Nobody wants to be sober. What does it mean to be sober? Sober means to be sensible to be wise. It means not having wild living. Sober means that I have self-control. Sober means that I am temperate. And you notice in the, in verse in the same passage in verse uh, 2 it says that the aged man should be sober. So not just the wives need to be sober, the women need to be sober, right? The husbands should be sober as well. That's the first principle because when you make financial decisions and you're not sober, you will blow plenty of money and be in the poorhouse real quick. Because you're not sober. Again, sober, I mean, you've got to be sensible. You've got to have self-control. You've got to be temperate. You've got to not be caught up in wild living. Because, again, we think the opposite of sober is being drunk. And I'm going to tell you, if you've ever been in a drunken state, you're not in your right state of mind. You do things that you, when you're drunk that you wouldn't do if you were sober. That's how you act financially. That's how you act in your marriage. You're doing things in your marriage like you're somebody drunk. You know, and again, these things show up, especially when it comes to money, when it comes to spending, when it comes to how we uh, handle financial decisions in the house. You know, here's the thing. If there's something that you really have to have in your home, prepare for it. Prepare. Prepare. It's something you really have to have. You know what I mean? My, there's really some financial thing you need to have. In other words, like, I'm saying, like a home. Like, some people are like oh, you know, I really want to buy a house. You know, husband and wife, they're married. You know, they, they, they get you know, going to the journey of life, right? They started out with an apartment and they moved in and, they, and then they get to a place where, okay, we're doing pretty good, but you know, I really want to buy a house. Prepare for that. What does me prepare for? That, that means you got to save up money. That means you, me save, me back up. Before you start preparing, you got to have a plan. A plan to get there. But most of you they go and the first thing they do is oh we can go we we can afford this house. How can you afford this house when you can barely afford your apartment? See so you're not sober. That's what I mean by you're getting wild living because a lot of times we're looking at other people what they have and we want to we want to keep up with, like you said, the Joneses instead of instead of hearing God's counsel and just be sober. Wait, prepare for it. Sacrifice, save the money. Apply discipline. That's sobriety. And again, I I don't know why it is when it comes to spending money, when it comes to financial decisions. That's when we can act like we are totally drunk, out of our mind. We go get, purchase things that we cannot afford. And what I mean we can't afford, we can't afford it at that time. You may afford it later on in life, but you cannot afford it at that time. We go and then we go and do. it. And I'm gonna tell you, and it's not just the husband; it's the wife too. Everybody's everybody's in cahoots in this. Everybody's aboard. Yeah, you can do that. Yeah, we can afford it. Yeah, we can put this aside. As a man, we can we we can do this and can do that. But here's my thing: is right, you, you can't make financial decisions based on potential. You understand what I mean by that? You know, everybody talks we can do and then to get something. No, let's do it first and then go get it. See, the potential is there, you know, with your income, you know cause I get wives get real sweet then, you know with your income, baby? you know we can live we can live in a nice big house. you know how much money you making and oh, we can just do this and that, you know they their voice gets soft and sweet, you know again, them, the wives, the life giver, so they're going to bring it, they're going to break that sweetness on you because it's something they want to have too, but then sobriety should kick in, See, yeah, you know what the income I'm making now, you know my salary I have now, I'm struggling now. That's, that should be the the husband sobriety kick in. I gotta stay sober. And yeah, we can get there, but let's plan now to get there. Don't just let's not just jump now from here to there. Plan. That's so sober. You gotta be sober in your financial decisions. Right? The husband and the wife. Be sober. out how I living. All right, so they, they may teach. And again, I, I like this because here's where the counsel comes in. If you're not sober, there should be a, an aged woman, you wise, that can tell you something. Speak some truth to you. You know, as I said, speak truth to you. Not talk to your flesh. Y'all sitting up there dancing around. Oh, you are going to buy a house? Oh, everybody's so happy. Like, no. They're going to speak truth. they like, girl, how you going to afford a house and you can... Y'all ain't got furniture for this apartment. Y'all got a one-bedroom apartment ain't even furnished yet. Y'all sleeping on the floor. Y'all come and buy a house. See, that, that's sober. That's the age when we come in and then you know. You better rethink these things before you go out there. And Again, I'm just using buying a house, for example. Again, it could be whatever financial decision you're making. This, they're teaching you to be sober. Now you just say people hating on me. Oh, you just, you don't want me to have nothing. You never encourage me. You know how it's amazing. When we don't hear things we want to hear, it's always that haters come out. No, they're speaking truth to your life to help you in your marriage. Because I'm going to tell you, it's nothing like stepping out there financially when you are not established. <laughs> I'm going to tell you something. Then you can care less about that little house you got because you, you're going you're gonna to be irritated with the, the husband and the husband irritated with you. 'Cause y'all gonna be frustrated because you can't pay any of the bills and the bills gonna keep racking in. Because I'm gonna tell you right now, if you haven't done your homework, if you hadn't sit down with the, the purchase of a home, you don't realize all things that go into it. All your mind is thinking about is I'm gonna move into this brand new house or whatever, this new house to you. But if you ain't thought about paying taxes, you don't you know what taxes mean. Only taxes you think about when you go to the store and buy something, they add eight point two five percent taxes. There's taxes that go on to the house. Guess what? You got to pay them taxes. There's insurance for the house. I'm saying you, you ain't looking at any of this stuff. What's the tax rate for the house? For the neighborhood you live in? Because I'm going to tell you right now, if you can't pay the taxes for your home, guess what? The state will come and take your home. <laughs> so you got to be, these are things you better realize. Are you looking at the house cost this amount of money? I can afford that house. No, but can you afford to pay the taxes? Can you afford the insurance? See, that's what I mean. That Now sobriety sets in. And now you get into a place where, you know, telling your wife, well, you have to work in order for us to get this house. No, now we're, now we're heading into a whole other area. Now your wife has to work in order for your home to be established. But you're going to have to work now. Because I'm finna, we finna sign this thirty year mortgage. I mean, you'll be working for the next thirty years. Again, like I said, in thirty years, when you're sitting here looking at thirty years, it sounds like, oh, that's going that's nothing. Oh, 30 years is thirty years. Because in thirty years, life happens. Especially if you hadn't had children yet, where do the children come? And then life really picks up. Let me tell you something. What I mean by life really picks up, finances really picks up when children come on the scene. Yeah, you, 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 you just you and your wife, y'all just, you playing. Right, y'all just playing house when it comes to money. You just go go out to eat any time you want to, and you know, cook or don't cook. You know, it's like you know, you buy clothes or don't buy clothes. And I mean, but when children come, oh, them little mouths need to be fed, clothed all the time, and and they and they need insurance all the time, as far as medical, dental, eyeglasses. I mean, this this money money you don't even know about. They're gonna ask for, or they're gonna need. And then school, school supplies... I mean, all these kind of... They're going to need all these things. And we're not even talking about when they get to a place where they need to go to college. I mean, see, I'm saying you haven't about any of that stuff. All you're thinking about is a little... 30 years, I can do this. And you struggle. Where you're at now. See, that's what I mean about you have to be sober. Learn these lessons. I'm saying, before you make... let Let me say this to you. This is good counsel for you. Before you make those kind of decisions... Seek out counsel. I'm telling you, wives, seek out the age woman. Get counsel from them. Again, we're not talking about getting in your business. nobody got to know your financial records. You ain't got to pull out your portfolio. But it's asking. Say, so, you know, we're thinking about getting in the house. We're thinking about making this kind of move. I want counsel from you. Give me some counsel about what you think about that. To the age woman. The age woman means mature women. Don't get caught up in the number. Get caught up in the maturity. And you know the mature women. We have plenty of mature women here at this ministry. You can go talk to about it. And they'll, hey, they will quickly give you a lot of counsel. I'm tell you, that you hadn't even thought about. Get counsel. And then once you get the counsel, receive it. Don't take it personal. Receive the counsel. They're trying to help you be sober. Alright, so again, that you may teach the young women to be, that's amazing, I'm this on sober. Being sober. Then next it talks about to love their husbands, to love their children. And here to me, I love how God put these things in order. Yeah, we're talking about the women. The young women. Young women need to be sober. Young women, young women that are married wives, love your husbands. And then love your children. You know you caught that right? Because I don't know why some people. Once we get married and we have children, the children often prioritize over the over the husband, and we love the the children more than we love the husband. I know we get amen man on that. I, I understand. I, I know how that flows. We act like, oh, now I got a child. That child is everything. That ty- that child is is more important to me than my wife, my husband. Or, no, no, you still married. You're a married woman now with children. Get that. You are a married woman with children. You're not having children now. You're married. No, you are a married woman with children. That means you're married still. Need to, you need to prioritize that. You got to love your husband. That means the responsibilities you have in your home still needs to be upkeep. And then you now, and then you add a responsibility of loving your husband as well, I mean, loving your children as well. Here's the thing I think about all the time, you know, when it comes to marriage, right? And it comes to children. And I'm I'm be careful how I say this, but I hope you understand this. I'm not married to my children. I'm married to my wife. Get that? I'm not married to my children. I'm married to my wife. My children, I have to raise, I have to teach, I have to nurture, till they get to place where they're going to leave the house into their marriage but I'm married always to my wife That that is my responsibility but we act like we're married to our children right and then we get a place where I, I don't in our mind we think we let, when the children go do something or or, or have to get out there and, and do things be independent where they should get a place where they are independent we feel like oh feel like we just had a divorce I, it's not a divorce my, how am I divorce my children I never married them but that's the mentality we have. And I'm preparing my children to be what? To be adults, to be married one day, to have their own home. If I have a daughter, I'm teaching her to be, be prepared to have to be suit her husband, to be a help to him. My son, I'm teaching responsibility to be to manage his home. I'm teaching responsibility like God taught Adam around planning about sowing. I'm teaching him these principles. Prepare for his house. But I'm not married to my children. So again, wives, young mothers, you know, young, young women, be sober, love your husbands, then love your children. Then verse 5, be discreet, chase, and then we're going to pull this one out of context, right? Uh, out of this context. I mean, keepers at home. I mean, you need to be keepers at home. And then it says, "Good." I mean, this—you know—when I read this passage of scripture, this is like something I always jump out. It's amazing. He says for the young women to be good. I mean, good—it just throws good in there, like good. And then I go back to again. I keep these in the context we're talking about: when marriage and husband and wife, and and the, and how the wife should be good to her husband and not evil all the days of his life. That means young mothers, a young—I'm uh, saying, keep saying young mothers, but young women. You need to be good to your husband. Be good to him. That's right here in the passage. Good. But you got to be keepers at home. And what does it mean keepers at home? That means you must be on watch, wives. In the home. Now the home should already be established. But the wives, you need to be keepers at home on watch for the home. What are you going to watch for? To make sure the home is running properly. What has already been established, you want to make sure that it runs in that order. The wife, you are a keeper at home. That means you should be domesticated. That means you should be at home. What I mean by at home, some women don't want to stay at home. For whatever reason... Out and about, like back in the day they said, ripping and running the streets. You know, I don't know what they use nowadays with they, these terminology, but that's what a lot of them is out and about in the streets all the time or hanging out with their girlfriends. You know, No, you're a married woman, be at home. Be at home I and mean, be there with your family. Because you've got to watch for the home. You're going to make sure that everything's in its proper place that's already been established. That's a keeper of the house. For the, the, for the household domestic affairs, you're watching over it. And then when you see things out of order, guess what, wives? Bring it to your husband, cause he's the one responsible for it. And I'm gonna tell you if, you, if you've been, if you're a married man, you know your wives will let you know you need this is messed up. That your wife is amazing. She already she's already watching the home. She knows things in the house that you have not even looked at yet. She that you know that toilet been running for the last 20 years. When are you gonna fix that toilet? Oh, that's good for me. No. Yeah, you got to flush it four or five times so they know. I'm going tell you why she watches every she, I'm telling you, the little minute details in your home your wife knows and she's and if I'm about to watch she'll tell you things thank God for my wife that's why I said your wife I know my wife is good ground I sow into my wife all the time hey I, I thank God for the good ground because she reminds me not reminds me she shows me things that I need to take care of I said these things brother you need to address this you know, cause you, and your wife ever so you something like, did you? She said, like, "Did you notice, you know, that door or whatever doesn't?" I'm like, "What?" And then you go look at it and I say, "She's right." Oh, or you know, so that the water doesn't get hot a certain time. I'm like, "Why the water?" And I'm gonna tell you, there's little things. Because you know, you taking your shower or whatever you're doing, it's always hot for you. But by the time everybody else shower and you don't took, a, you know, it's like, why? Okay, your wife, she's noticed a lot. I'm, I'm just giving an example, but I mean, your wife noticed all the little things, and that's to keep your house in order. And then for your wife, she'll bring life to the home. You know what I mean by bring life? Getting yeah, keepers at home. You know what I mean by bringing life to the home? Because I mean, I'm trying to be careful about these, you know, getting caught up in debt, actually tasks like cooking and cleaning and, you know, washing and ironing. Because those are just things we need to do, right? You, need, you know, you need to keep a clean house. Come on, you nasty thing. Why clean your, you need to clean a, clean your home. And clean your home doesn't mean, that's not women's work. That's everybody's work. Let I me mean, say, does everybody that live in the house need to clean the house? It's not like, oh, that's women. No, that's not no women's work. That's everybody's work. You live there. That means you got a vacuum, you got a mop, you got a dust. Everybody does that. So get, get out, get in your mindset out of that mindset that certain things are women's work and this is man's work, please. Because I'm going to tell you, I see like, okay, I handle the women handle the inside and the men handle the outside. I see women handle the outside better than some men can. They're out there trimming them hedges. They're out there cutting grass. They're doing all that. And then we know some men can handle themselves in the kitchen better than some women can. I'm not trying to talk about them. I'm just saying. So stop putting these labels. Get out of I'm, when, I, when I mean by keepers at home, when I'm talking about these things, I'm not talking about the actual tasks. You work that out what is best between you and your wife. That's between you and your wife, how you work out those tasks, who handles those tasks. But it needs to get done. That's everybody's work. What I'm talking about, your wife brings life into your home is what is best for the atmosphere for you, that brings peace, calmness in your home. Your wife knows. I'm saying, even you know, I think about I look at the you know the church we decorate. There's a certain kind of decor that you have in your house that that ushers in an atmosphere. There's certain smells that you have in your home that brings a peace and calm. I'm saying these these things are so subtle. This is not that you go get a maid to go do. I'm saying this is your wife does these things. That's what I mean. She is she's the one that's the watch of the house. I mean, it's nothing like going to a house and and, and you know you just got plain white walls and it's just. Bland I mean, it's like we might live here. Is this a prop or what? But then you can go to the house, you can tell, hey, you can tell where the wife lives in that home. She got the decor going. That her husband enjoys and loves. You know, she got where your favorite cherry is, your favorite place is. She she understands. And again, we're not talking about putting together your man cave. We're not even talking about that. I'm talking about your home is pleasant for you to dwell. That's what I mean about your wife. Again, she is a help that is suitable for you. Somebody else coming, another man coming like, I want my house like this, but it ain't your house. You know, that's why it always amazes me. You know, the thing that amazes me, like we go out, me and my wife, like, we'll go and, and spend like a few days at the hotel. Like we do things, you know, get away with just me and her. You know, the first time you walk into the hotel, you know, hopefully it's clean. Right? You, know, but, you know, so cleanliness is not the issue. But I know after the first day, it's almost, she puts the touches in that hotel that feels like home for me. That's what I mean. That's a wife. And only she can do it. I'm like, well, how come this place feels like, you know, like we're at home? That's the wife. She has no touches in there already. Her smell's in there. Even her color. She'll add a little color. You know, my, it's amazing my wife. You know, I wonder how come her bag is like Forty times heavier than my bag but but I understand why we get to we get where we're going because she brings in all the lights, the atmosphere, makes it feel comfortable for me, and you know I never have to say nothing to her I have to ask she she's watched me, she knows, and it's comfortable for me that's a wife that's what i that's what I mean by to keep her at home. So that's what I mean, brothers. Think about these things while you got your wife out there hustling for you. And she's away from the home. And then you wonder how come you're so frustrated when you get home. And then she's frustrated when she gets home. And now everybody's at home because of the pandemic. Now everybody's always frustrated. Because no one one spends time with the actual home. Who's the keeper of the house? And man, I'm going to tell you, that is your responsibility over the home. But your wife is there to help you. And all you're thinking about, I need, what I need my wife to help me with is bringing this income. Because your home is, is not established. And your wife's like, you know something, I can really hook this place up. For you. But you focus on the wrong things. You know, that, that's how come you think about these things. I think about later in life. You know, I think about when I go visit like, you know, your grandparents. Again, when the, let me say this, when the working years are over, you know, when you go visit folks that are retired, right, when you see your grandparents, you know, it's all they're so peaceful in their house. And you and you know the income is not it's not even about the money. It's not even, you know, it's not like they live in the biggest house or they live in a it's not it's not about any of that. You walk in your grandparents, they're so peaceful in the home. It always smells fresh. Usually my grandparents, you know, my grandmama and them it's it always smell like some food cooking. You know, it's always whatever it is, you know, it's just Pleasant. Then you go back to your house, you're like, uh, where's the pleasant? Where's the, where's the warmth? Where's the peace? And your wife's like, well, I'm working. Remember, you got me out of hustling. remember? Because I married you and you were not established. So I hope you catch these principles because these things are so important, men. You are the one that is responsible for your home. God has given you that responsibility. And your wife is there to help you with that. And as a wife being there, you need to be a keeper of the home. Watch over the home. When you see things that are not running the way it should be running, bring that up to your husband. And it's a way you bring it up to him as well. Because you'll see things. And again, I gave natural examples. Again, we're not even talking about examples you see with children and behavior you know having children you know the, your wives will notice some things going on with the children that husband you may not see because you're just too busy and the wives will bring that up you need to dress this boy you need to dress this girl you need to talk to him about this your wife will bring it up to you I Said, what's wrong I, I think he's fine I said no that boy's not fine I now mean, your, your girl is struggling right now your girl you know you, she need to be validated you know your wife will bring these things up to you areas that you are lacking that's what she's there to do don't get mad at your wife when she brings up things that you need to address. Thank God for your wife. You know, to me, a perfect example of that we see is with Moses and his wife support. How Moses both went out there and circumcised his sons. He didn't. But, but guess what support did? Because God was like, I'm going to kill you, Moses. Because circumcision represented, represented your relationship, you, your child needs to have with me. And that's his husband's responsibility to do that. Make sure I, I make sure I bring my child in, in, in relationship with God. And Zipporah caught hold to that because Moses didn't circumcise his sons, and she said, "You, hey, Moses, you're a bloody husband to me. But she did it. Catch that woman, she did it. I love that. She did it. Where other women, they're like, hey, you're going to stay a bloody husband. I ain't finna do it. That's his word. I ain't finna do that. Remember, you're in this thing together. You know there's areas of your husband lacking on. Help him. Don't just talk about him. We got into, that was a whole other conversation before about being chaste and discreet. You always talking about your, complaint about your husband, faults that he has. I mean, that's, that's him. You married him. Just help him. That's what you're there to do. Help him. And I'm gonna tell you, when you hey, if you can, if he can come home to a, a hot meal, like I always say, some hot chicken, that'll help him. That'll help him in his house. That'll get his mind right. But when he comes home or when, it, when, it's time for the, when it's time for you to be home together and there's nothing hot food-wise, there's always murmuring, complaining, the house is not cleaned up, stuff is scattered everywhere, you, you wonder why everybody's frustrated. Be a keeper at home. Now before I close on this, I want to mention there's also balance when we talk about working. Because I think a lot of people are off balance when it comes to work. What I mean by balance, right, is that, you know, you got a secular job, you know, you're working outside of the home. Right? And a lot of men and women, they spend more time on their secular job than they do spending time at keepers at home. That is off balance. So, how do you stay with balance when it comes to working outside of the home and working in the home? Stay with purpose. Remember that. Stay with purpose. What do you mean stay with purpose? There's a purpose for why you have a job. In other words, they hired you for, to do a, do a particular task or, or particular services. Then stay with that. I'm, I'm on purpose to, to do what I need to do with my job, and, I, and I'm very productive with that. But guess what? I have purpose at home, too. And I'm going to stay on purpose with that. What happens if purpose starts uh, conflicting with one another? Then I go to God. Because God is one that's given me the ability to gain wealth. He's given me the ability to have this, this opportunity. I ask God. I talk to God about strategies I need to have to keep my priorities straight. But when I'm on my job, I'm on purpose. Well, guess what? When I'm at home, I'm on purpose as well. And here's that balancing act that I'm talking about. Because I'm going to tell you, a lot of people, they say, well, you know, I get off work at a certain time. But you never off work. you always, even at home, you're talking about your job. That's what I mean by people just, they never clock, they never disconnect. Guess what? When you're done working, be done working. I'm going to tell you, your wife don't want to hear about you and your job and how bad your supervisor, your manager is, How what a tough day. I'm going to tell you, she does not want to hear that. And I'm going to tell you, children definitely don't want to hear about what a bad day you had. And all your mindset is on what I have to do, what I do today at work, what I got to do this evening, what I got to do, and then prepare for the next day. I mean, your mind is constantly on work. Here we are like Sunday morning and you thinking about Monday morning already, about what you got to do at work. Your mind is there. And you're at home, your family tells you that. And you, and you have the nerve to tell them, oh, you know, leave me alone today because I got to get ready for work tomorrow. And they're like, is that your priority? Everything you do is preparing for you for work. What about us? I can't believe people say that. Well, I, you know, people say Sunday's my day of rest. I've got to work Monday through, you know, Friday, Saturday. I'm like, Sunday's your. What, who told you the day of rest is Sunday for you? And you're, gonna put your fa- and you're telling your family that. See, you off balance. You're, you're showing your family that your work, your job is more important than them. And guess what? You're getting the, the fruit of that as well. I'll tell you, your home is out of order. Instead of like, you know something? Hey... So when it comes to my I said I always say this when it comes to work, work is just work. That's what it is. Me and my wife, I don't have conversations with my wife about my job. But I just don't. If I had a bad day, guess what? Just pray. I asked my wife, just pray for me. What kind of day it was a day. Just pray. Just work. But baby, right now I'm looking at you, I'm looking at the beautiful thing, I'm looking at the, the hey. You bring the sunshine, you bring the joy, you bring the life in my home. I'm looking at something pretty every day. I, that keeps me going. Focus on that. And that way, you can, these things can help you when it talks about finances and responsibilities in a the home. These principles can help you. Amen? Mm-hmm.